The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Talking Halos. This is Derek C. Paul with John Crane for another edition of Talking Halos. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm great. It's a uh, it's a beautiful day in Southern California. It hasn't been too hot, and uh, I drove past the game today. The game was on. I always drive past Angel Stadium on my way to and from work, and uh, looked like a lot of fun in there. Uh, I, I will be joining. I will be there on Friday night for um, it's Christmas in June. I'll be getting an angel stocking. Woohoo! And it's all ho, decorated ho, ho. too. It's all decorated there. They're just showing pictures of it, uh, folks. You're going to see a little bit of weirdness in the podcast tonight because we recorded our A's preview earlier, but we're going to back a little to the back of the podcast. We're going to talk with our guest here in a moment. So right now, actually, we're recording later in the day. It's in the bottom of the eighth inning, Justin Upton is up at the plate. It is 1-1. Otani's on first base. Mike Trout is at third base. So if we stop and we behave like fans and cheer or whatever, or we go boo, you know what's up. By the way, there are no outs. No outs. Oh, my gosh. That strike zone is an atrocious. <laughs> atrocious. Called called a strike just there. In the, they've been calling atrocious strikes on everybody tonight. Okay. So before we get to our guest... We do want to go ahead and just say, hey, we're new, right? We're new. We're just getting started here. But if you like what we're doing, please check us out on iTunes and subscribe, which is now, by the way, Apple Music. I guess they keep changing the name. We would we would really appreciate a five-star review to help us move up the charts. If you want us to earn it, great. Email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com and give us your feedback. And if you're a new listener and you're enjoying the show, please do us a solid. Please text a fellow Angels fan and them know about our podcast. It would mean the world to us. And I mean it. We really, really, really would appreciate it. Okay. So, our guest tonight is a frequent tweeter on social media for the Angels. He's got some differing opinions from many folks who watch and follow the team. And we offer him the opportunity to come on, make his points, and we're going to probably have a little bit of a discussion here, probably a little bit of a debate, because he differs a little bit, at least from my point of view, I'm not sure all on John's, but we want to hear him out and hear what he has to say. So I want to welcome Mike Steph to the phone, or not the phone, the show, and also I'll let you know you can find him on Twitter at AngelsNation27. Mike, how you doing? Good, how are you doing? Doing wonderful. It's been a long night for me already, just getting done with the uh, the second podcast of the day, and and John had himself a long day as well. Don't get him started, I can promise you that. But we're doing, <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing hey, just fine. Just just real quick, while you say a frequent tweeter, you mean passionate fan, and and, and we always That's love it. We always love a passionate fan. Very passionate fan with a lot of opinion. So, Mike, we're going to give you the floor. Go ahead, dude. Just go. Let's go ahead and put your thoughts out there, and we'll talk about them. Ready? Yeah, sounds good. All right. So, what's your beef? Well, for starting out, I'm going to talk about Artie a little bit, if that's okay. 
I'm Your a floor. big believer in ownership and how um, you want to have an owner that wants to win. And based on what we've heard Artie and Epler say, basically how we're pinching pennies for signing Cody Allen to $8 million. And our payroll's, I think, about, what, $170 million this year? A little bit lower than that, but... And, a little lower. And you have teams like the Red Sox, Dodgers, Yankees, whose owners are willing to spend, go over, you know, the luxury tax, over $200 million because those owners, they make their money and they want to win. And I just, I'm not sure Artie's willing to spend the necessary funds to put the best players on the field he can. All right, so let me ask you this question. Over the course of the last, how long has it been, John, since he bought the team? What, 14, 15 years? Uh, yeah, let me, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, because he bought it from, he bought it from uh, Disney, right? Yes. So let me ask this question. In the last 14, 15 years, Mike, since he's bought the team, when has Artie Moreno ever not been willing to spend money? When has he not gone out there and tried to get a big boy? Um, well, I believe he was on the record saying that he will not spend money on the premier pitching. He prefers to use the funds on hitting and the offense, but he won't spend on you know, star-level pitching. So I agree that he will spend, but more so towards the offensive side of the ball. But that's not really what he's done. In 2011, he went out there and got C.J. Wilson, right? Five years, $75 million? That's correct. Okay. This but past offseason... That isn't as much. It. But that's who was available in the market, right? Okay. Um, okay. And over the course of years, he's, when there's been money available, he's went and gone. He went and tried to get Patrick Corbin. J.A. Hop, this last year out. I think it was a third one, too. I don't remember who it is. So, are you sure that he doesn't want to go out there and pay for a pitcher, or he's not going to pay for the wrong pitcher? Well, I guess you could make a case for both sides. We don't, I mean, have we heard exactly a number that we offered Patrick Corbin or these other guys? Because we know that we were targeting them, and they obviously signed elsewhere, but we don't know the exact number that we offered them. No, we don't. You have to assume to a degree they were somewhere close to the ballpark. Obviously less than what they were signed for, unless they just didn't want to go with the Angels. But they were involved and they did make offers. I would never think that, oh my gosh, this guy's strike zone's a train wreck. Um, but you would never assume, though, that they were not making competitive offers. That's not really the Angels MO. They don't lowball people. Has that ever been their MO? I don't think so. I think we make fair offers. I mean, it's not really up to us who chooses to sign here or not. So I agree with that, that we do target players. Um, whether or not we make the best offer, that remains to be seen. You know, we go after guys we think will help us. But at the end of the day, you know, if we don't offer enough, we don't target the right guys, then it's kind of out of our control in that situation. Well, can I ask a question? So, so you're targeting and seeing that, and I, I, I don't necessarily agree, but I, I do, I do, um, I do understand if you want to blame Billy Epler, but you know the GM or Depoto before that. Um, but I just don't see where Artie's. I don't believe Artie's being presented any opportunities that I have know of big opportunities that he has declined. So you may quite. I think you fans can question. Uh, 
Billy Epler's decision making. But I think if Billy Epler came to Artie Moreno and said, I want to sign this top pitcher for this amount of money, I mean, he's shown already with, I mean, he's not, I haven't seen any fear to spend money on Artie Moreno's side. Um, the pitching thing, maybe he's just not, maybe he's not being directed in the right direction by Billy Epler, which I said, I guess you could blame that if that's what you want, if that's what you're looking to do. But, and I don't necessarily agree with that. But what do you think of that, Derek? Well, I think that it all depends on what your original plan is for the moment. What's your plan? Angels to score a run on an infield single, by the way, in the bottom of the eight, two outs. Um, if you're looking at where they have to go, right now, I think we can, everybody in this conversation can agree that if they're going to be successful in the next two years, they need starting pitching help. We all agree on that. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's back up to the 2018, now 2019 offseason, 2018, 2019 offseason. They struck out on the three guys they wanted. So. What are they left with? They have nobody in the farm system that's ready day one to be in the rotation that at least they feel comfortable with. Okay? And, but there are some guys out there like a, a Trevor Cahill and a Matt Harvey. You think, well, you know what? They've been decent in the past. We can roll the dice and see if we can cover them this year and then maybe go for a Garrett Cole in the offseason next year or maybe somebody emerges in the farm system. Okay, is it possible that's their line of thinking? Yeah, I, I could get behind that, but it's also that these aren't the only guys we could have gone after. Like, the Astros, I believe they Wade Miley, who's having a great season, about $3.5 million on a one-year deal. And right. the Rays gave Charlie Morton, I believe, two years, $30 million, who, and his ELA was in the low twos. Holy crap. Just want to just pause again. Justin Bohr, the three-run home run. It's 5-1 Angels over the Reds. That is his second home run of the night. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead and continue. Oh, yeah. So um, I agree that you know one-year deals or when you don't know who you want is fine. But you know you can also sign these other guys to one-year deals who I uh, agree that Trevor Cahill, we didn't expect him to be this bad. But Matt Harvey was coming off a down year, and $11 million was Probably an overpay. I think we can agree on that. You could, but, but a space filler. He, he, I mean, but he was an option, a one-year option that they took. That they could. We needed actual people to walk out to the mound. Well, I think what he's trying to say is, though, you have guys who are performing better in other places, and you got them cheaper. So why didn't you go after them? And I think the answer to that is, do they fit the style of baseball the Angels are playing, and also, do they fit the ballpark? You know, we know the the Epler point of view is you go get hard throwers. You want the, you know, and Cahill's not really anymore. He's early 90s, but Matt Harvey was throwing mid to upper 90s still a lot of the time. So it's kind of hard to say, well, you know, we're going to go ahead and move away from what we want to get a guy cheaper. Would Wade Miley have been successful in Angel Stadium? Would Charlie Morton have been successful in Angel Stadium with their styles? I don't know that. And what I do know, though, is up until this year, Trevor Cahill, and you mentioned it because you said nobody expected Trevor Cahill to, to stumble the way he has. But right. the, he used a dependable guy who gave you innings up until this year. And with Matt Harvey, his potential upside 
if healthy, with good location and his stuff. His stuff, by the way, is fine. His location's off. That could be actually in the end of bargain. If worse comes to worse, it's not, then you only paid for him for one year. The question I'm going to have for you is, are you certain, I mean, do, have you considered that maybe the guys you're talking about, Wade Miley and Charlie Morton, were good fits for what the team were, was looking for? Well, I don't see how they could have been bad fits. I mean, you're just, at that point, when you don't, you miss out on the elite level pitching. The guys you want multi-year deals, when you're looking more at the short-term deals, like these guys, I mean, it's pretty much, you know, taking a chance, taking a risk, seeing what pays off and what doesn't. Um, you know, in hindsight, you know, it shows that Cahill and Harvey, you know, aren't as good options as Miley and Morton. So, I mean, and it's not to say that they would have been any better if they were in Anaheim than their current situation, but I don't think you can say they'd come here and be as bad as Harvey and Caleb then. When I think of Angels, the Angels, I, uh, Angels pitching staff, I think of injuries. And I mean, I just look at last year, some of our, you know, the, the perennial, the, the Garrett Richards, the Tropianos, the, and, and, and they've always had a lot of confidence in uh, Skaggs and Heaney, um, which I am, you know, at this point, I'm kind of start running out of patience with Skaggs and Heaney uh, and their potential, though uh, it's Skaggs, Skaggs right? Skaggs is actually coming around straight, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, Skaggs is actually coming around. So well, hopefully well we're going to... too, John. Yeah, I mean, I guess my point is, is I think I think that they looked and thought we had solid pitching, fooled themselves or not, for 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 a while we have these options, but they just never seem to be healthy enough to materialize. I mean, and 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 let's not forget they signed Shohei Otani to be a pitcher. Now he's not pitching this year, but in a perfect world, we have a premier pitcher. We have a premier pitcher next year. Um, I'm going to miss his bat if it takes away from his bat, but we do have Shohei Otani. Well, it depends on how it works out. You did pitch off the mound today, by the way. I, I look at this and go, we don't. I wish I could be a fly in the wall of Belly Upwards' office when they're evaluating pitchers. It would really help us uh, get to get some sort of knowledge in terms of what his thinking is when it comes to pitching. I can say this. Even if he was wrong to sign these guys, the intelligent thing to do was to keep him short term. That's what he did. And so I have a hard time criticizing him for that when he had enough foresight to say, hey, yeah, we're going to roll the dice on these guys. And if they bomb, we're only stuck with them for a year. And then next year we have all that money available to do so. And going back, you mentioned, Mike, you mentioned the fact that, hey, they have the money and they're not, you know, you don't feel like always willing to spend the money. Well, how do you know they're not willing to spend the money next year? And just because they have the money, do they have to spend it? All those teams you mentioned, like the Yankees, the Red Sox, they have another advantage going to them, and that is it's their farm systems. They have a backup. The Yankees' farm system's been better, which is partially, by the way, rebuilt by a certain guy named Billy Epler. The Red Sox farm system, which, by the way, now has been torn up because of all the, the uses they got out of it, but that's how they got where they are was rebuilding the farm system. All those teams use the farm system to get there. How do we know it's not the Angels first rebuilding the farm system to build resources before they go off and go spend? Yeah, I agree that, you know, obviously it's important to build up the farm system. I believe, last I checked, it was pre-draft. The Angels are about 
15th ranked. Is that about right? It, it ranged from, we saw them as, as high as 10 and down to 15. I think post-draft with Canning coming up and Suarez coming up and losing their eligible, they're down to, I think, to around 21. Um, but that's because these guys all graduated. Right. And, and again, I'm going to bring this up because I brought it up before. You know, everything, a free agent is a hit and miss. I mean, the Dodgers gave three years to Joe Kelly, and, and they're on the hook for it right now. And right now, he's, it's not looking like it's going to pay off. Um, we at least can wipe our brow and say, these were one-year contracts we gave to these pitchers and um, give us a fresh start. Also, I just want to ask you, too, did you get to hear our interview, our, uh, Derek's interview with uh, Maria Torres? No, I don't think I, I don't think I heard that. Yeah, it's a good. It's, she's the L.A. Times beat writer, and she discuss and she basically. I mean, you really you should hear it. But her basic point is: just because we have money under the cap doesn't necessarily mean that we have money to spend, or that we should should we should just spend it to fill out the cap. And really, that was probably your biggest point. Just because you're under the cap doesn't mean you have to spend to fill up to the cap, and. Maybe there's a you know longer term plans for maybe next season when we we could potentially you know I don't think we were looking coming into this season I don't think you were expecting I wasn't expecting a World Series this year but um, but a building process I think the greater frustration though is like he's mentioned on Mike's mentioned on Twitter this is a team that's won and after a while the expectations are up you you expect to win this team's been in the playoffs what once in eight years now. One time, Mike Trout's been to the playoffs one time in his career, and so I can understand the frustration. Angels win five one, that game is over. Uh, so they sweep, they swept the Reds. I, I understand that. The question here that we need to get back to, though, is if they have the money, why aren't they spending it now? And I'm going to make an argument, and Mike, you can go ahead and, and debate, disagree. But I believe they're not spending it now. Because they believe the organization is not ready to spend it yet. Once you go above that threshold and you start making long-term deals with people, you're going to be paying that for a while. It's not going away. This isn't like you go up one year and all of a sudden the next year you're done. You go make a long-term deal to say with, but just say Garrett Cole. A Garrett Cole deal is going to put you over the threshold, probably. Okay, you're going to be there six, seven years, at the very least two or three years uh, until uh, for when Pujols leaves. So, my thinking in terms of, and this, uh, I'm kind of echoing what I've picked up from talking with the Orange County Registers, Jeff Fletcher, um, the Athletics, Fabian Ardaya, and, and Maria Torres, and we're talking to Maria again later this week, is that they are building things up internally first. And then when they're ready, they're going to take, they're going to do what everybody else does, which is, which is spend, basically. You go out there and you get yourself ready, and then come time, you go get that that guy who gets you over the edge. Because in the end, when you go get a free agent like Garrett Cole, you're paying for what was already done. Like with Pujols, they paid for Pujols' pass, which is kind of silly when you think about it. But that's the nature of baseball economics. And now they're going to turn around and they're going to be asked to do it again and hope that when they sign a guy like, hey, again, just saying they do, you sign Garrett Cole, he'll be that same guy. So you have to be ready organizationally to start making those moves because you're going to be in that financial, I want to say, you're going to be in that financial hole for a while. Mm-hmm. 
And that's where my I think where my disagreement. I'm seeing, I Mike, I've seen you make two cases. I've seen you say, I've seen you make the case of why aren't they spending more, and I have also seen you argue they need to tear down. And I don't know that either one's the answer. So, what is your case for each, and and why do you believe at this point that they that Epler doesn't really know what he's doing? Because I've seen you say that. Well, for my criticisms with Epler, it's always been at the major league level. Because he signed in after the 2015 season, I believe. And best pitcher he's brought in was definitely Otani. Like we, we can agree that he did a great job bringing him to Anaheim. But besides that, he hasn't really done much at the major league level to bring in, bring in any elite pitching. Like the farm system has improved a lot. The offense is solid, and it will be a lot better when Simmons gets back, and next year when Adele replaces Calhoun. But we won't get anywhere until we have the elite starting pitching we need. And based on Epler's track record here, I'm not sure he's capable of bringing in that elite level pitcher. Because right now it sounds like they're kind of banking on Derek Cole to come. But let's just say he doesn't sign here. He stays in Houston. Then what is our plan next year just to keep signing more one-year deals and keep doing that over and over again and hope it works better and just, you know, throw another year at it? John? Well, I, you know, he, it, we, I'm going to bring in Griffin Canny. That's a, that's a Nepler deal. Um, and we do have, I mean, again, Skaggs is, is performing, is, is hopefully – uh, right in the ship. Heaney, still, the, the verdict's still out on that one. Yad Otani. Um, I, I, I don't think, I mean, I, I see your point on the pitching side being light as opposed to his, I mean, I was uh, talking to Derek before you came on about, you know, uh, uh, Justin, our, 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 our uh, Andleton Simmons and Upton and Otani, all Epler signings. Uh, I, I I do think we tend to be uh, we go for the I was uh, this expression chicks go for the long ball we do seem to angel fans have for the last couple of decades always wanted to reach out for that big uh, home run hitter and and not really and the pitcher is not as flashy the as flashy um, and but I I do think we have a, a three we have at least three starters three to actually four starters. I can see next year they're currently on our team. Um, sure, it would be nice to add another one, but again, it's you don't you don't want to just grab the first shiny object you see because it's going to be a long term deal if they do, when they do. I I kind of look at it this way. I look at it as well. How do I say it? We don't really know what the overall plan is for next year, so it's kind of hard to say. Well, I'm going to be critical on his signings for next year. And be critical on this because we don't know what the plan is. We suspect, if I'm reading tea leaves, is they're going to go hard starting pitching this offseason. And Mike, I think your complaints at that point become valid if that's exactly what they don't do or they don't accomplish that mission. Okay, And I'm not set on Garrett Cole, by the way. I'm not set. I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm just trying to make the point is when we roll back, all the way to the beginning, to when Jared Depoto was fired. What was the condition of our farm system and the death overall in the organization? Do you remember that? Well, the farm system, I mean, you can make the case it was 
the worst in Major League history. Like, he completely tore it down to try to bring in win-now pieces. You mean... DePoto. Okay, yeah, so that's fair, right? Right. Okay, so in that respect, then we know the organization was totally shredded from top to bottom, and all they really had was a major league roster. So let's just say in 2016, 2015, this team is struggling, and there's a problem. Guess what? They're calling double-A AA and triple-A dudes up. They had no organizational depth whatsoever. They had nothing. And so I kind of think you've been hard on Epler because he had to rebuild everything, and the rebuild is still in progress. And this is where I, I disagree. I don't... I, I would tell you, I don't believe he's been perfect. I believe he's made plenty of mistakes. I, I don't know how many mistakes because, hey, <laughs> we don't know the mentality behind, like you said, Wade Miley or anything like that. But he's done a great job with the farm system. And if we don't see something bearing fruit soon, that's when I would say, hey, dude, I'm going I'm to fall more in love with what you're saying. I, th- I think we both said the other day, I mean, let's talk next season. If we're in the same situation next season with this pitching staff, I I, I believe Derek and I both agreed we will be on board. <laughs> we'll be as big a critic as anybody can be. Um, and uh, and the other question, too, is I, I'm wondering if you got a chance to read. We discussed it a couple last week or the week, the Billy Epler interview. It's a very good interview. And he basically says in there, he's responding to you, uh, I guess your tweet saying we should tear it down. He said they didn't want to tear it down. They just, they're, he called it rebuilding on the fly. So we kind of are tearing it down, but not to the point where it's an unattractive um product on the field they wanted to kind of maintain a a product for the fans to enjoy and to keep interest without blatantly just you know blowing uh, exploding the team so they are rebuilding but he called it's it's a great article and he and he shares a lot of his thoughts on what what the plan is and uh, so that's definitely one you should look at you could just go to angels.com the mlb you'll find it if you go down in the news it's it's a very in- interesting interview you can also listen to our podcast i think that was last week right right Eric? That, that was last week right our, our podcast or it was about a week and a half ago and we talked about billy epler's interview yeah, it was about rebuilding on the fly. That's I that gave me a lot of confidence because it echoed a lot of uh, things that we're getting a lot of feedback on because we 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 are we're looking to next year at least for I think for things to really start to get better. I am at least. So, Mike, did you happen to read that article that just came out? I think it was yesterday. It was on Bleacher Report from their baseball writer on uh, Mike Trout. I believe I did read that one. Okay. One thing I noticed in the article was that he it was he was heavily involved in the entire process of him resigning, but he's also been involved with the future of the team, of scouting players and, and setting tips to Epler and so on and so forth. That's what I caught from it. The argument I would make is this. If Epler was doing the garbage job, if he was doing a bad job, and his plan for the future was not something he can sell, then why did Mike Trout re-sign with the team? Well, I, I see the point you're making. And, like, I'm not trying to say that everything Epler has done since taking over has been bad. Like, I'll give credit where credit's due and, you know, criticize him when necessary. Like, he did a good job building with the farm system. He brought in Otani. He did a great job getting Ty Butchie for Ian Kinsler. 
but you know he's also made a lot of bad signings at the major league level, and that's where my criticisms with him are. Because at the end of the day, I understand doing at the farm system is important, but you want to put the best team on the major league field you can. And while he does do a good job with the farm system, I'm not sure how much time, I got maybe one more year is fair to see where things are a year from now, but how much time you give him to see what players he can sign to help improve the team at the major league level. And I think that's fair. That's what we've been arguing for is, listen, let's see what he does now. Because, honestly, if we're assessing the farm system right now, we have plenty of position players coming up. Joe Waddell is very close. Then you have the pitching. We have a couple young guys. We don't know if they'll be ready this year. We don't know if they'll be ready by at least halfway next year. They're solid prospects. But is there an ace prospect in there right now? And I think the answer is no. So, with all that in mind, the only thing their Angels really have to worry about coming in this offseason is probably starting pitching. And maybe a catcher, by the way. The catcher position has its own issues. If nothing is addressed there, then I think you I think we all have the right to say, yo, this is a problem. And at this point I John, let me ask you, at this point, if they don't spend the money, I think there's I think it's time to criticize. Oh, absolutely. And I just said, and, and, and I was going to ask the question. So with all these one, one, one uh, year contracts we've signed, what are we going to have in the off season? We're going to have money. We're going to have money to spend. And yes, absolutely. I, I said, if uh, I'm, we're going to be all be on the same table here, I'm going to be very upset, very critical all next season. If we don't at least bring in one expected to be premier pitcher, added to our staff in some way, shape, or form, or at least, a, or maybe a couple solid ones. I, um, yeah, I'm expecting next year. If, if next year, it's going to be a totally different story. I'm not going to be debating on this issue. I'm going to be on the side of, yeah, what's going on here? So, Mike, is there anything else you really want to get off your chest? Well, just from the sessions I have with other Angels fans on Twitter, well, I just find that, I wouldn't say all of them, but majority are probably too positive in regards to the state of the team, especially considering that I mean, we haven't won a playoff game since 2009. Like, I feel like when you don't have as much recent success as we've had, then you should be more critical of the team and the direction it's going. But a lot of the fans seem to, I guess, be too positive, at least in my eyes, as of the direction of the team and the current state we're in. I mean, I think we can all agree that the team probably won't make the second wild card this year, which means we'll get to 2020 having not made the playoffs in 11, I mean, not having won a playoff game in 11 years. I'm not convinced about that. That article I, I sent you today, Derek, talking about the Angels should should make some, some move discussing the wild card. Um, uh, but... But to go back to your point a little bit, and, and I think I, I caused I got a, I got a lot of grief for saying this. Um, I I, you know, I live I live about thirty minutes from the stadium, and I do enjoy going to the stadium. And are you familiar with Trent Rush? Yes, I am. Yeah, so he said one night on the post game show, he was just talking about he, he was ta- on the Halos recap. He was talking about 
what Angel fans get to experience. I understand, you know, we're, we're not, we're probably not going to win this. See, we're not going to win this season, but we do get to see that there are things to see when you watch an Angel game. You get to see potentially one of the greatest players of all time play every night. You get to see Albert Pujols as frustrating as he is with his double, but you get to see history. You get to see Shohei Otani. There's a lot about this team to like, and while we're again according to Epler, rebuilding on the fly. So that's what I like. This team, I I know, again, next year, if things haven't changed, I'm with you, buddy. But right now, they are an entertaining product to watch on the field, and they do have a – they are going in a forward direction. Now, it may not – if we'll, we'll see how quick it goes. But they are a very – they're an entertaining product, and I think that's why you get a lot of optimism like me, uh, guys who are like, oh, you know, I'm just optimistic about the team. I'm not always, and I assure you, uh, as you can talk about, well, Noe Ramirez is turning me around there, Derek. But anyways. He's, he's pitched well. <laughs> I mean, I know. <laughs> Mike, do you see us? Do you see our podcast as indicative of those positive fans you're talking about? Well, I'm speaking more so when I criticize Epler and some of the news we make, and then a lot of the fans reply saying that it's unfair criticisms because of all the positive that Epler has done. But in terms of what you guys talk about, I think you make fair points toward both cases. But many of the fans that reply on Twitter are pretty much just talking about the positives. That's funny because I get when I post something positive, I get ripped. <laughs> I mean, on our on our feed, we get a lot more in terms of the uh, the negative than the positive coming back to us. I mean, last night I made a comment on Twitter last night about Heaney because he he looked pretty rough in those first three innings, and I I, I noted that hey. Need to, I wonder when, how long I'm going to stay patient with this because he's been pretty rough out there his last couple outings. And somebody came back and told me not to be an arsehole. And I was like, dude, I'm not being an arsehole. I'm just saying, look, this is what I'm seeing right now. And I'm not, call, I'm not trying to call that dude as a good guy who is a, a really solid follower of ours. I'm just saying that the reactions sometimes are instant. Sometimes they are, well, pointed. But we mostly do get a lot of the uh, negative back to us instead of positive. I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is do you, in the end, though, I think it comes down to this. Can you see a vision of an overall plan for the direction of the team, or can you not? If you can see an overall direction and vision, then it's easier to get on board and, th- and look for the future. If you can't see a direction, if you're struggling to find the direction, then it's going to be harder to be positive. And that doesn't make you wrong, by the way. That, that could very well mean the team is not doing a good enough job pointing fans in the right direction. Or to mean they really don't have a plan. And at, at this point, we really kind of need to ask ourselves that as Angels fans in general, is what direction is the team going? How are they getting there? I believe they have a plan. I spent a lot of time studying this, the farm system, the draft strategies, um, the signings, the failures, the successes, and I believe they have that plan in motion. And the question is, can they execute that plan going into the offseason next year and into the future? But if somebody does not see that plan, I can't blame them for feeling negative about the team in the future. No, I agree. Um... I think that the team, the direction the team is heading is a lot better than, you know, under Regan's and the Poto. But it's also 
can be dangerous staying in this middle ground where we're not quite good enough to make the playoffs, but we're not bad enough to get, you know, a top 10 pick and get that star level player in the system. Because if you look at the Angels system, I mean, at the moment, we only have one top 100 prospect. Like our system is not based on potential stars besides the bell. It's mostly based on depth. So, but let's also be fair there and note that the reason why we don't have top 100 is because we just had a couple guys graduate. That's fair. Uh, Canning, I agree with that. And probably Suarez. I, I guess I would point this out and say a lot of these guys are young too, and they may develop into stars. We've had guys drafted much lower. Remember, we could talk about Mike Trout being drafted 25th, we can also go back and find guys who are 14, 15, 16, 18, 30th round picks who become stars. And one thing we've seen also the Angels farm system is they have been developing guys quickly, especially pitchers. Right. And I agree that, you know, the farm system does have a lot of good pieces. Like one guy we don't even talk about, I would say, is Matt Tice. It's just the potential he has. We're not sure how soon he will really come up and contribute. Because Otani will need to be a DH, who will also be here two more years after this one, and he'll have to play first base. So there's not really that everyday role for someone like Matt Tice. And Brandon Marsh, who's one of our top prospects, I mean, there's not really getting time in the outfield with me next year with Upton, Trout, and Adele. I think we can agree those will be the starting outfielders for the next, you know, three years at least. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys we have in the system that are upper-tier prospects, but their pathway to playing time is blocked by current guys. And that's fair, and I would not be surprised to see if uh, this team kind of falls in hard times in July if some of those guys get, guys get moved. You think so, John? Yeah, I, I think we, we talked, because we talked about that um, the other day. I, uh, last week I was referring to about how there's not a lot of openings that need to be filled. Potentially Tommy LaStella. I don't know that we'll be able to afford to re-sign him after he's having his uh, all-star season. Um, but there's not a lot of holes for the prospects to uh, fill at this point. We've, we've got a solid outfield for the most part. Um, so, yeah. So I, I was agree. thinking if you have someone like, like say we do land like Derek Cole in the offseason, and then you consider looking at someone like Marcus Stroman, if you can put a package together of guys that probably wouldn't see the field for us, like you started with maybe Brandon Marsh and, you know, there's a couple other guys we get throw in there, maybe like a Rodriguez or a Berea, and go get a Marcus Stroman, they can be our number two or three starter, then it's more promising. So you, how, many, how, many, how many pitchers do you think that we, we need? You don't have to give me names. Just how many? How many uh, do you need to fill out our rotation? Well, our I would roster? say right now, the guys that I can depend on for next year would be Otani, Canning. You can probably put Suarez in there, and we can say Skaggs in the spot if he keeps up his recent production. And we'll need a six-man rotation because of Otani. So I would say you need to go out and sign two quality starters in the offseason, whether one for agent signing, or one trade, or you know, vice versa. Or one develops as well. Right. Because there are a couple guys going up. I can see it. I'm guessing they'll probably go after two, unless we see something from a couple of guys who are in AA right now, AAA. I mean, that's a fair. I think it's a fair thought. I think that's what I'm thinking as well, too. 
probably looking at two. Okay, but we are running out of time. Do you have any final thoughts for us before we go ahead and, and get to our ace preview? Um, not that I can think of. All right. So, Mike, can you let people know where they can find you on social media? So, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, at AngelsNation underscore 27, um, you can interact with my tweets and comment. And feel free to reply to my thoughts about the team and the direction under the ownership and the GM. Feel free to give me a follow. And uh, thanks for listening to the interview. Hey, and if you want to hear any uh, negative Epler uh, talk, just come to our come to the Talking Halos Twitter page. <laughs> There's plenty of it on there. <laughs> Look at our tweets and replies. Yeah. All right, folks. <laughs> You'll get your fill. <laughs> All right, so thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it, and I guess we'll be talking to you again soon. I just followed you on Twitter. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, folks. Hey, we are looking for sponsors, so reach out to us at TalkingHalos at gmail.com if you like what we're doing and we want to help us get the lights on here. You can also leave a voicemail at 657-666-5453. And, hey, we'll leave the lights on for you, though. Check us out. All right, in the meantime, we do have a big four-game set starting off tomorrow, which by the time you listen will probably be today, and that is with the A's. So check it out. Here's our preview with Keith Salmon from the A's Fan Radio. Good guy. Really enjoy the interview. Check it out. All right, folks. I'm here with Keith Salmon from A's Fan Radio here to preview the big four-game set coming up with the Athletics. Hey, bud, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, first off, uh, thanks again for um, the invite to come on the show. Uh, first time anyone from um, our show in our 16-year history is actually we got a chance to uh, appear as a guest on a podcast that's ran by an opposing team's fan base. Uh, really appreciated. Glad to see also as well, especially with all the social media out there, that a lot of the other fan bases out there are doing similar stuff, doing their own shows, trying to you know do their thing, getting to um, sports broadcasts and all that. And it's just a great night sitting here watching the A's and the Cardinals go at it, uh, getting ready to wrap up this two-game series that they have before um, our two teams go at it over the course of the next four days. And I'm on the same side here. I'm down here watching the Reds and the Angels. It's 0-0 on the fourth. By the time you all listen to this podcast, it'll already be over. And uh, the big thing for us, too, is you mentioned uh, podcasts and baseball. When I do football as well, and it's so much easier to find football podcasts. Finding baseball podcasts, man, it takes some real work. It took a, a lot of digging and digging and digging to find yours. And, and overall, I think for what the sport offers... There is certainly not enough coverage for it out there, at least on the team level. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I fully agree with that. I mean, you see a lot more with, you know, with, with football, both at the NFL and the college level. I've seen a few out there for, you know, college and, you know, professional basketball. But, yeah, you know, it's up until the last couple of years, until we finally got the show back on Twitter, it was really, you know, hard to find other stuff. And now as time slowly has gone on, I, like I mentioned before, I've seen other teams out there finally with their fans doing stuff. I've even seen stuff out there where there's just fans doing you know, just general coverage of the game all the way around, not just, you know, dedicated to one specific team. And it's funny because our podcast is actually a spinoff of a, of a football podcast. My broadcasting mentors uh, did called Raider Fan Radio. So, the, you know, there's that football connection there as well. And they always were impressed by the fact, they always sat and wondered, how are people going to pull off doing, you know, a podcast center around baseball? And they're always, they've always been impressed with what we've done here and, you know, some of the other broadcasts for the other fans out there that are doing stuff that they've seen over the years as well. Good grief. The, the, uh, 
the similarities are endless. We are we our home podcast, our original podcast, is Rams Talk Radio. We branched off to do the Angels, and hopefully we'll do the Dodgers at some point as well. But I'm not a Dodgers guy, and so very yeah, similar. We have Rams Talk Radio. We branched off to do Talking Halos, and I, I guess it's the name of the game now, especially when football season's over. You got to find something else to do. Oh, oh yeah, definitely big time. Uh, just you know, unfortunately, my end obviously, as everybody knows. Uh, the Raiders, unfortunately, kicking this region in the nuts for the second time now and um, leaving the area. So it's, you know, I've unfortunately kind of abandoned my fandom with the Raiders after the relocation vote went down, though myself and a couple of my buddies uh, were trying to eventually try to lodge something similar to A's fan radio and, and, and Raider fan radio, but more centrically um, focused around um, Cal sports, you know, basically with UC mm-hmm. Berkeley and uh we kind of have a, a segment that we host um, on A's Fan Radio during the college football season called uh, Bit the Bear Raid, which basically focuses around Cal football, and it's <laughs> unofficially sponsored by uh, the boys up on uh, Tightwad Hill, which uh, for some of you out there, regardless if you're familiar with Cal or not, if you're familiar with college football, pretty sure that the name Tightwad Hill will ring a bell to folks out there. So just a kind of a follow-up question of that. With the Raiders moving, I, I mean, just two, two questions really with it. First, how many A's fans, Oakland fans, are kind of jumping ship now with it being the second time they're leaving? And also, are the A's taking action to kind of take advantage of the Raiders moving? Well, pretty much from what I've seen, it's kind of been a split down the middle. You know, people jumping shit or they're ship or they're going to still be loyal to the team. The majority of the folks I know, even the ones that weren't A's fans, that you know, were Raider fans, or they're from the area, obviously especially those that went through it twice, like my family has, you know, pretty much like, this is it, we're done. You know, they're either deciding to follow other teams or, to use an example, my dad, once they go to Vegas, he's just basically be a vagabond without a team that watches, um, just watches the games just, you know, in general and not have a team to follow. And there's people out there like me who have kind of basically abandoned the NFL completely altogether and I've started following college football instead. You know, luckily for me, I started getting more into college football back in, like, the early 2000s. A couple of my buddies dragged me up the Tightwad Hill back in uh, 2002 when Jed Tedford beat Stanford for the first time in like seven years at that point. So I got pretty much drugged into the Tightwad Hill environment after that. So I was lucky. I already had that to um, fall back on as an advantage. I'm not going to lie. I've kind of, uh, especially given the fact that there's an uh, antitrust lawsuit going up here trying to, you know, force the Raiders to pay back stuff, you know, basically not following the relocation guidelines and hopefully maybe in the end, maybe trying to pull off an no open conversion of the Cleveland Compromise. Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm test riding the Rams right now as a fan, and it is mainly because of the fact that y'all's quarterback happened to go to Cal and was the best quarterback I've seen play at Cal since Aaron Rodgers was there. Well, dude, you are more than welcome to check out our podcast. We're actually recording the night after we're done here, so hey, 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 Rams Talk Radio, we'd love to have you. Uh, for sure, I might, be, I might be down to do that. I can come on at some point down the road for that. <laughs> yeah, check it out. All right, so we actually getting to the baseball now. Uh, can you give us an update on recent A's roster moves and where and where are the Raiders right now concerning the trade market with injuries? Oh man, just what, what hasn't happened is just it, it's it's just been you know almost kind of similar to last year where you've had guys you know get injured, taking their time coming back. The bullpen's been you know a dumpster fire, unfortunately for the most part in 2019, which is crazy given how. It was basically the strength of this Oakland Athletics team um, in 2018. So, I mean, you got guys like A.J. Puck, Jesus Lazardo, and Sean Manaya who are coming back from um, injuries that they've had. In Puck and Manaya's case, injuries last year. Puck had Tommy John surgery, and Manaya had that issue that he's coming back from. And then you got Lazardo who got 
hurricane near the end of the spring. And, you know, there's been talk out there that they were going to possibly, you know, rumors about them being brought back as, you know, guys being used out of the pin. But uh, from what we heard, we had uh, Chris Townsend on our show last week. He uh, used to be on 95.7 The Game. He now runs the uh, the A's cast um, thing, the, uh, the 24 streaming, uh, 24-7 streaming channel that the A's started doing this year. And basically what he's heard from the front office is when those three guys come back, they're going to be used as starters, but just the whole thing with them is that Chris pointed out and that uh, Dave Forrest pointed out as well is don't be expecting these guys to be rushed back in here anytime soon. And even at that point, is that really you know the weight and pressure you want to put on those three guys when they come back is to basically be relied on as horses to push this team going forward. Now, as far as um, trades and all that, it's kind of really going to hinge on what they on how they do over these next couple of weeks. You know, you kind of see you know. Similar style, similar thing to what happened last year, but, you know, last year you had the strong bullpen concerns with the starting rotation. This year, even with the starting rotation, with the exception of a couple guys, the rotation's been solid, and like I said, the bullpen's been a dumpster fire, so it's really going to hinge on how things might play out between now and the All-Star break and probably even after the All-Star break to determine ultimately if the A's are going to be, you know, buyers and are going to go out there and try to get another bullpen arm or another starter, or if they're going to just say, you know, to hell with and throw in a towel on 2019. All that in mind, though, how do you feel about their chances overall to get together and at least get a wild card berth? And overall, how do you feel about the ALS race in general? Well, I, I definitely feel that, you know, even with the uh, adversity that they faced this year and, you know, similar to last year, the chances are still, at least at this point in time, for me, I feel are good there for them to, you know, at least get one of the wild card berths, you know. It'd be nice to actually, you know, try to make a run at the division. The one advantage you have this year versus the last couple of years is the Houston Astros don't look as, you know, indestructible and unbeatable as they've had the last couple of years. They've gone through some adversities, some injuries, and, you know, some issues the last couple of weeks on their own that's kind of allowed the division to come back into play, not just for the A's, but some of the, you know, the other teams in the division as well, with the exception of probably the Mariners, but I don't want to talk too much trash about the Mariners because then if my homeboy who's a Seattle fan tunes into this, he might call me and <laughs> start a bunch of stuff with me. But <laughs> it's easily, it, you know, the, the division's really still in play. I mean, um, last I checked in a while since I the standings, we were easily within like seven, eight games, um, I, I want to say. So it's definitely playable, I still think, for the division, depending on what's going on. I would definitely love to see them, you know, get stay in the hunt for a wild card. But at the same time, you know, with the way things have been this year, too, I can easily see being a situation where 2019 for, for us ends up being what last year was for the Minnesota Twins, just to use them as an example. So what are the actual strengths and weaknesses on this roster right now, even with all the injuries? Well, big thing, obviously, the one main weakness that everyone hears about, regardless if it's from following stuff on social media from our fan base or even out there in the mainstream media and whatnot, is the uh, the bullpen. Bullpen, again, was a strength last year versus this year outside of um, Liam Hendricks, who, remember, about this time a year ago, was designated for assignment because he was stinking it up down there. Flash forward a year later, now he's sitting there. He's one of the few bright spots in that pen alongside his Meryl Petit. You had Joaquin Soria, who was kind of getting knocked around at the beginning of the year. He started to slowly get out of his funk. But now you still have Blake uh, Blake Trident, who obviously doesn't look the same as he did last year. Sinker doesn't have the same bite to it, in my opinion. And obviously he's had some injury issues on and off, and he's on the injury list right now. And then you got Luke Trevino, who just, you know, after his little bump in the road last year, just still does not look the same. I mean, he dominated and pitched great when he pitched in that wild card game against the Yankees last year in the playoffs. But so far this year, it's been the same thing with Trevino. He started off good the first couple weeks of the season, and then has just completely tailed off. 
the rotation, um, obviously, you know, it looks a little bit better than it did last year, but there's still some holes in that. Um, you got a guy pitching tonight in Daniel Migden who, you know, is kind of hit or miss. He has his games where he, he pitches great, and then he has his days where he's sitting there thinking, does this guy need to be converted into a long man? Is he ultimately going to be what you would consider a quadruple-A player? Um, but, I mean, you got guys that are like Fires and Bassett. You know, Bassett's another guy who probably should be a long guy, a long, a long reliever ultimately as time goes on. But the guys that have been filling in there, for the most part, have been doing what they can to keep the rotation afloat until you got these other guys that come back from their injuries. And, you know, the, the offense is proven. You know, the offense is probably the biggest strength. The offense has proven that it can keep these team, this team in a lot of games. But just unfortunately, as we've seen so far this year, even when they've scored a ton of runs, the bullpen will end up giving it right back. Over the years now, okay, we've seen the Angels and A's go at it for playoff bursts, division titles, you name it. I mean, I can go back all the way to the Bash Brothers and watching in 1990, 91, 92, and seeing how these guys went at 93, 94, the 2000s, when we saw the Angels kind of rise to their title, that, that famous 2002 pennant race. This year, though, we're, we're both teams are trying to find our way. We're both trying to just get there. So how does this matchup overall favor the A's, and where do you think the Angels have the edge? Well, the A's last couple of weeks, um, outside of a few little minor stretches here, have you know, started to show signs of possibly that infamous middle of the season to the second half heat-up that they go through. Now, somebody like me, I was born in 85, so as you mentioned, you know, I grew up watching the Bash Brothers, all that stuff too. A team that historically, with the exception of the early 80s, always seems to catch fire right around this time. It'd be nice to see them not do that, you know, if they play consistently through the whole year, but we've all kind of got used to it. I mean, like I said, they got the offense. They can keep them in games. When the starters are on, they can, you know, dominate basically over whatever lineup they're facing against. But probably the one advantage you all have is, you know, going into this is the one advantage a lot of the other teams have had that we played out there regardless of how good or how bad they are. And it's basically what version of the bullpen is going to show up that night. Is it going to be Dr. Jekyll or is it going to be Mr. Hyde? The pitching matchups are interesting. Game one, Tanner Anderson versus Griffin Canning, who is, he's been solid for us since coming up, much more so than we've had. We're just now starting to get matchups where no listed, none listed for us as of noon today, so we're trying to find out who's going for the Angels on game two. Tyler Skaggs against Brett Anderson in game three. Uh, Chris Bassett versus Andrew Heaney in game four. How confident are you in these pitching matchups? No. Anderson, he, uh, Tanner Anderson is going to be making, I believe, this is his, uh, this, this will be his third start since he got um, called up from uh, Las Vegas. Uh, so far, from what I've seen with him, you know, looks good, has some potential. Um, didn't really, you know, hasn't really pitched that deep in the game so far, but definitely like the mentality that he brings is just going to be on the offense, obviously, to help keep him in that game. And like I mentioned before, the the bullpen situation. Um, I noticed here that they didn't have a matchup yet for the uh, for game two. Was there a matchup, uh, pitching matchup for that second game yet, or did they have not posted a matchup? I have not found it yet. But though. honestly, since I, I I put the plan together for today, went out, haven't had a chance to go check. I will okay. check after the show tonight and kind of put it in there if I can. But as of right okay, now, well, okay. Well, in that case, uh, game three, Brett Anderson. Um, has shown obviously this year and in the past, you know, when, when he's on, he, he's on, he's a guy that can, you know, dominate out there, command the strike zone, shut guys down. But, you know, at times when he's off and like we saw when he pitched last night can get rocked around the ballpark, you know, he was out there within, you know, three plus innings in last night's game, but the way he was, you know, pitching the way, you know, was that, I don't know, well, 
I forgot which anyway, but yeah. And then obviously, and you know, another issue I've always had with Brent too is he always finds some weird and interesting way during the course of the year to get hurt somehow. So that's always been one of my main issues with him. But when he is, when he's on, he's, you know, damn near almost unhittable. And, uh, for the final game, Bassett, um, again, one of those guys, you know, kind of similar to Mingman. He's, you know, when he's on, he's great. When he's not, it's the question of, you know, should he be in the bullpen? Is he really, you know, not meant to be around long-term? And I think ultimately down the road, I think it's better, you know, like I said earlier, to put Bassett in the bullpen, use him as a long guy, but given how injury played the rotation is, you know, you got basically, you know, assemble it like a erector set at this point. So pretty much my looking at is, you know, who we're throwing out there. I'm just hoping for a split pretty much at this point going into this series. You, you already answered my last question, make a, make a prediction just for giggles, but what are your keys overall for the series? Um, keys for this series is obviously, you know, starters do what they can to, uh, Keep the, uh, the the Angels' offense from scoring. A's offense has just got to continue what it's been doing, smacking the ball out of the yard. You know, get good key hitting situations. Defense has got to continue to stay strong, um, which is we've seen has been a lot better since uh, Matt Olson came back. As we all saw earlier in the year, there were the issues with uh, Jerks Profar having trouble throwing the ball, fielding the ball. Um, we've seen that improve tremendously since Olson came back, and you know we already know how much of a head over there on the corner that uh, Matt Chapman is, you know, even this early in his career. And like like I said, the Dr. Jekyll and, you know, Mr. Hyde bullpen is just, you know, sooner or later has got to, you know, keep calm and lock things down, you know, at some point down the road. So those are going to be really much my keys to success in this four-game series that's coming up between our teams. Well, just out of curiosity, is there, is there help down the road for the A's bullpen if they can't hold it down? It's been real hard. I mean, you, you mean you've had guys that they've been bringing, you know, up, up and down from Vegas. You've got guys like uh, Wendelkin who was just here, and they sent him down. You've got Ryan Dole who's come up, you know, and there's another guy too, you know, who's been good sometimes, but he's another one of those guys that's kind of showing that you know might be a your prototypical quadruple A pitcher. So that is going to be, you know, it, it's really hard to really see somebody you know down their triple A level at this point that seems to be a reliable fix. Otherwise, I think they would have been up here, you know, a long time ago. So I think ultimately. You know, especially if you're going to stay in the playoff race, even as the wild card race at this point, if you can't get the situation with what you got now to be fixed, then you may have to part, unfortunately, with some you know prospect chips or whatever to get a couple arms down there uh, for the stretch drive. All right, so Keith, can you tell our listeners where they can find you, find your your podcast, everything? We broadcast our shows on uh, Twitch TV. You can find us at twitch.tv slash Radio. We uh, normally broadcast on Thursdays from um, 8 to 10, unless, of course, obviously there's a night game like there is tomorrow. So tomorrow's show will be uh, going to be at 12, but it's now going to be at 2 p.m. tomorrow on twitch.tv slash Radio. And then you can also find us online at our official website, acefanradio.com. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Radio. And finally, you can also find us on Twitter at A's underscore fan underscore radio. Well, listen, we just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on with us. We really appreciate it. I know you're trying to watch the game, and anytime you can see your team play the Cardinals, one of the great teams in, in history, uh, it's it's a big deal. So thanks again, and we really appreciate your time. Uh, for sure, man. Thank you again for having me on. You all take care and enjoy the rest of your night. You too. Take care now. All right, so I'm looking forward to the series. John, I, this could be a big part of the Angels season right now if they can take two out take at least two out of four hopefully three out of four here it would be a big boost heading towards the all-star break
I know it was Cincinnati, but yeah, I mean, we have momentum now. We have momentum. We got players back at Anderson Simmons. You can just smell him. He's there. He's 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 down here in uh, the um, San Bernardino. Um, so he should be back. I would imagine sometime. You think next week? Maybe if soon, not, or maybe sooner. Back in the Oakland series. Yeah. So I mean, we have a full. We have a full. Uh, roster. I, do we have any major injuries right now that that I'm forgetting about? Um, well, if you want to count <laughs> Matt Harvey, that'd be about it. Okay, you can we'll count see. him. We'll okay, see. we'll see. I know the A's have some injuries. Keith talks about that, so we'll see. Also, don't forget. Hey, vote for Tommy, Tommy Lestella. Vote for him. I'll vote for Mike Trout too. Yeah, my yeah, maybe maybe who's that Trout guy? Yeah, I think I think he's got it. But yeah, let's get Tommy in there. Let's get. I, I agree. Jeez. Anybody whose last name is has a Stella in it is good by my is Stella. <laughs> Stella. Yeah, I mean, she's I not home right it. now. <laughs> <laughs> I think she left me. All right. Hey. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos or search for our page on Facebook. Also, you can find me, Derek C. Paula, at DSC Paula on Twitter and John Crane at Jags Crane John. Don't forget us on Spreaker, Apple Music, and all those wonderful podcast outlets. It is time now, though, for us to go. So for John, this is Derek C. Paula saying take it easy. We'll be back tomorrow night with an interview with Maria Torres from the LA Times. Have a great one, folks. We're out. Good night. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.